on the Sportsmanlike Conduct. We will break down the Vikings and Lions game. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way that the Lions wanted to for the NFC North standings. We'll see what it means for them going forward. And we break down the game between Michigan and Ohio State. One that Michigan had a chance at to win, but they really couldn't get to. We'll break down Michigan and Michigan State hoops. And we'll also, at the end, go into our college football playoff rankings, say where we think that those teams will end up after a crazy weekend in college football. All that and more on Sportsmanlike to Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andy McDonald. I'll be your host. To my left is Elena Hess. Elena, how are we doing? I'm good. I can't complain. My Cavs are on a roll right now. <laughs> Eight-game win streak. For so. sure, for sure. It's good. And, uh, and Evan. Evan, you know, that's old. How are we doing? I'm doing good. Getting that first real college experience of a finals coming up, so that's a little bit stressful, but... No, things things are good so far though. Doing all right for sure. Yeah, no, the, the, that week is not a not a fun one. I'll yeah, tell you that. Especially for a first time. timer though. You know, I'm I'm a young bull out here <laughs> trying, trying trying to fight fight for what I got, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm doing okay though. I'm doing okay. Young bull, the nickname that just keeps coming around CM life, no matter what. Someone takes it every single semester, I swear. But no, nevertheless, we're uh, we're looking to give you guys a good podcast here. Keep up on the sports. We're coming down to the last few here as the semester starts to roll to an end before we'll uh, move on to next year after uh, Christmas break. So. We'll finish it up strong for you guys. we got a lot to talk about this week. Um, unfortunately, not all that much of it is positive on the football end if you're uh, if you're a Lions fan or if uh, you're a Michigan fan or anything like that. But we'll start with the Lions. Um, yeah, we knew they needed to win this game. I think everybody knew they needed to win this game if they wanted to have any chance to win the division. Um, they didn't do so. The Vikings just continue to be a team that wins games with you know Case Keenum at quarterback, and it, it kind, of, kind of blows your mind a little bit. But they got the job done again. They beat the Lions 30-23. to um, the end of the game, the Lions elected to kind of, I mean, they went for a, I don't know, a fourth down that seemed like a little bit early to me to go for it towards the end of the game there, and it kind of just set the Vikings up for a field goal that really just essentially put it away at the end of the game. Lions didn't have really enough time to come back. Of course, they had that um, blocked blocked uh, <laughs> field goal for a minute, and everyone kind of thought, oh, my gosh, like, you know, they won, or they, they might have came back and tied the game, but really it didn't, it didn't count. Uh, they were offsides by a mile, so... They ended up losing the game. Uh, for first time in a while, they've lost on Thanksgiving. Um, kind of proved that, you know, everyone kind of kept saying all last week, like, oh, the Lions have been good on Thanksgiving. You know, I kept thinking to myself, like, what does that stat actually mean? Yeah. Like, it's just another game. It's just another day. The Lions play a team that uh, was better than them, and they beat them. So, um, and the, the Vikings beat them. So, I, I guess I just want to, you know, say what, to the, at this point, the Lions are kind of on the outside looking in. They're still technically in the playoff hunt at 6-5 and five overall, but they have a, a few teams to uh, – overcome to be able to get into that playoff spot uh evan i'll start with you what what do the lions need to do to be able to get to the playoffs right now besides win <laughs> besides winning i mean <laughs> i mean i guess i guess it goes along with winning but get on a roll i mean they, they they have games that they have here at the end baltimore tampa bay chicago cincinnati green bay to, to end out the season and you got to get on, on some kind of roll yeah you might drop you know one, one or two in there but i mean you got to win the majority of those games and that's something that they haven't been able to do. Also, we talked about it all year long here on the podcast, and I'm, I'm sure all Detroit fans are talking about it, but the run game, it has to improve. If, if they want to win games, I mean, I don't, really, I don't even really care about the regular season. Let's say you get through the regular season without your run game, whatever. But if you want to win games, if you want to be a playoff team, a team that can compete for something, you got to be able to run the football, and they, and they can't do it. They can pass it uh, all day long, even though Stafford was a little bit rough against Minnesota. The, the run game, it, I don't know. It's in, it's one of those situations where yeah they you know Stafford did struggle a little bit against the Vikings he did miss Golden Tate he missed a lot of he, he, yeah he did miss a lot of he people. didn't have a good game I, but I but but that's one that. of those that's one of those games though where if you're a good team what what do you have 
to back that up, you have a good run game to back that up. The Lions just don't have that. Riddick led him with 20 rushing yards. I mean, come on now. And then that's your guy that you normally dump it off to and, and let him run after the catch. Yep. It's not even your primary running back. That, and that, that's something that the Lions, they, they need to improve. They need to improve on, but I don't think they're going to be able to. I, I don't think that these are the guys. Abdullah fumbled, and we've seen it all, all year long. And <laughs> all even, even All his career, even yeah. dating back to when he was with Nebraska. It's one of those things where you, you say, okay, yeah, you need to fix the run game, but they don't have the pieces to do it. They, to me, they're not a playoff team. They're, they're not a playoff team. They need, they need a running back that can run the football. And, and then they'll be all right. But until then, they're, they're not going to be able to do anything. And even if they did get to sneak in, they're going to lose the first, first round. round. Just like yeah. every other year you can think of in recent history. Besides the year they probably should have beat Dallas, I can't think of a season that they've actually made the playoffs in the past few years where I actually thought they might have been able to win the yeah. game. And that's kind of where they're at. They right should now. have no run game. And that's not going to change. No, it's I, not. I don't, I don't see it happening either. Elena, what's going on with these guys? Well, once again, they started out slow. I mean, been saying that all year. Um, mm-hmm. No run game, as you said, and Abdul is not a really not a guy you want to build your run game around. He hasn't uh, come out to be the player that really all the coaching staff said he was going to be, and uh, obviously Stafford wasn't on his game. And here we are again, disappointed <laughs> Lions fans late in the year. So I don't know. And I mean, right now, I, I they're not a playoff team, like you said, Evan. Like the Vikings are obviously better than them. They're not gonna they're not gonna catch up to this uh, deficit now. So. It's really nothing new, like you said, just kind of the same thing. But when you, especially when you look at the the running game, I mean, Riddick has five carries for twenty yards to lead their team. So obviously that shows you that Abdullah was a non-factor in a game that mattered against a playoff defense. So that's kind of where they're at. But I think I really like what you said about how they started off slow. Again, that that's where I think that they need to improve the most. If you're going to be any of these teams that are actually contenders, you can't start off in a thirteen to zero hole like they did again in this game. Well, here's the thing. I mean, look, speaking speaking of you know taking down contenders. Let's just look at the wild card right now. As far as the playoff picture goes, I mean, the, the four teams in the wild card for the NFC got the Falcons, Panthers, Rams, and Saints. Lions lost to three of those teams. Mm-hmm. And those are games that you look back at the end of the year and, and, you, and you think that Saints game was a high-scoring game. And, and yeah, you know, it was, it, was, it was a weird game. You remember that Saints game, how, oh, how yeah. weird it was. That, that was a weird game. That was game. the craziest game. Yeah, so it, it was just weird. For it. Yeah, and Panthers game, though, that close. Game against the Falcons, Lions should have won that game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, those are games right there, you know, Panthers and Falcons, where those are games you should have won. And you sitting back and looking at it, that's what the Lions do every year. Close games. Oh man, if we would have won those two games, you know, we would have been in, we would have been fine. We'd have done this, we'd have done that. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what they do every year. We're seeing the same thing this year. And honestly, looking at the upcoming match against the Ravens, the Ravens look good right now. Mm-hmm. One, two straight. They they just, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like the way that John Harbaugh runs his team is is they're always a, a November December kind of team, you know. I, I always see them as a as a team that makes a push all, yeah. all the time. They're, that's just how they are. That's how the Ravens roll. It, I don't know. Baltimore defense league high eighteen interceptions, eight fumble recoveries, two of them going back for touchdowns. It's just a team that they have a lot of things going right for them right now, and I, I don't even see the Lions winning this upcoming week. I, I don't see them beating the Ravens. I, I just don't. I would agree with that. It, and I'm, I mean, yeah, I, I don't see him being him either. I, I've been saying all year, I think these the two games now that are coming up in a row here that are like trip-up games, and now it's to the point where the Ravens don't even look like a, a trip-up team anymore. They just look like a team that actually could beat them and could be better mm-hmm. than them, um, and, the, and they're a team that's pushing for a playoff spot. And, and, and no, what you were saying about how, you know, even if they were to get to the playoffs, who are the Lions really going to be? I can't it, – it's just like last year, you know, when they, they made it to the playoffs, they got in because the, the Redskins lost to put them in the playoffs. It's the same kind of scenario that they're almost in again this year. It's, it's almost like they're not taking 
really any steps backwards, but they're not taking any steps forwards either. Now, of course, they got to finish the season and make the playoffs before I can actually say that that's for real because if they don't make the playoffs, obviously, it's a step backwards. But if they did somehow stumble their way in and they just lose in the first round, it's just a repeat of what they've been doing. I mean, let's just, I mean, looking at wild card teams that they could play against, you're looking at possibly Falcons, Rams, Panthers, Saints, mm-hmm. and the Seahawks are still on the outside looking in, but they have a chance to sneak in. So maybe even the Seahawks. You really think they can beat one of those teams? You even tell me the Seahawks are on the outside looking in. I think they're a much better team than the Lions exactly. overall. So <laughs> I, it, <laughs> I don't really know. I, I If this team actually doesn't make the playoffs, it's just going to be by, I don't know, beating a, a schedule that's kind of weak to end the, to end the year. It's, it's the same kind of thing that they had last year. I mean, really, I, I almost think this team is just identical to itself that it was a year ago. Yeah. No, I, no doubt in my mind. I, I mean, I, I'd agree with that. And I think even looking at this this Baltimore game, I, I just don't see them, you know, doing anything against Baltimore's defense. I mean, the, listen, the Ravens' defense literally they they allow 17 points per game on average. Mm-hmm. 17 points per game. And I just don't see the Lions being able to put up any more than that. I get Stafford. Yeah, Stafford's good for two touchdowns a game, but what else you got after that? No, I don't know. And the other thing is too is like. Sure, the offense has been terrible pretty much for the Falcons this season, but at the end of the day, the Lions' defense has not looked very good the past few weeks here. So, like, what are they going to do against a team like that and they go on the road? I don't know. It seems like they just keep giving up points lately. So, I don't really know what what's going to come out of these next couple of games. Elena, do you have any ideas? Uh, I Like you guys said, I really don't see them beating the Ravens either. But I just think the Lions have a lot of work to do in this offseason. Like, like you said, it's just kind of like a repeat of last year. And almost, like it could end up being worse than last year too. So... I mean, they got to put in put in the work, and Stafford has to uh, show up to every game if he's going to be getting paid that much. Talking in terms of the off season, you know, you, you kind of look at it, everybody kind of seems to like what Quinn has done so far since when he's been mm-hmm. in Detroit. No one's really been able to complain. They see the draft picks that he's made have been good. They've seen good results from it. But if you don't make the playoffs this year after you made it last year, and I, I feel like this team only should be stronger than it was a year ago. I don't think it should be any worse by any means. I mean, what do you what do you start to think about Quinn? What what is what does this next draft mean for him, and what the team's able to do next season? You know, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I mean, the people already start to push. They already start to get upset. Does that whole like you know the I don't even know what kind of phase to call it, but you know like when you when you f- first start dating somebody, you know, you're in the, <laughs> the cupcake stage they call it here these mm-hmm. days. Is it that kind of same thing with Glover or not Glover Quinn, but uh, Bob Quinn right now? Is that the same kind of thing that they're in with him right now? And oh, I I mean I think. I think it's 2017. I think people are going to be pissed no matter what. I mean, <laughs> That's I, I true. Think, yeah. I mean, let's well, think about it. I mean, you can't make everybody happy. No, you Pe- never people can. are people are going to be ticked off no matter what. A- every Lions fan, in my opinion, has a right to have a negative attitude with other franchises has been ran. So. Yeah. No, they they do. They do. <laughs> but I think I don't know. I think a lot of Lions fans are going to sit back and even if they do make the playoffs and lose in the first round, it's going to be. I I almost think really for the Lions until they win a Super Bowl. Every season is going to be a fail. Mm-hmm. Every season is going to be a failure season. Everyone, somebody <laughs> is going to complain, no matter what. I just about whatever. I, I think it a is. playoff win will mean really? a lot to the city. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I think a playoff win see, would everyone would just be like, "Oh my gosh, if it's possible! Like we could actually do something in the future." Like see, if we have to, if we had to wait for a Super, a Bowl? Super Bowl, like do you know how long? <laughs> you might that? as well stop watching the team. It's not going to happen. Maybe in my lifetime, I feel like with the way that they are right now and the way the NFL is going. So I. I don't know, man. I just feel like Lions fans are they're, they're not understanding, but they they they, they, they do they do have, they do have a reason <laughs> to be. I don't know. It, it's definitely interesting. I guess I get where you're coming from though with with winning a playoff game. Yeah, that'd be huge and all that. But 
I just feel like it's not going to be good enough. I just don't think it's ever going to be good enough for Lions fans. That's, that's the only argument that I have. Is it's never going to be good enough. That, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't know. And, I mean, we'll see what they will do to finish the season. Um, I, I Right now, I think if they don't make the playoffs, it's definitely going to be a lot of people, you know, saying, why did we sign Jim Caldwell to what he's on now, you know, so mm-hmm. early in the season after week two? Like, what has he really done since he's been there? I mean, he has essentially been, you know, a coach that's, you know, made them better than where they were before he was there. Now, I mean, of course, we all have seen what Jim Schwartz has been able to go on to do as a coordinator. He's done a great job. But as a head coach, people have still probably liked Jim Caldwell a little bit more than they would have liked Schwartz. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, it's kind of like, okay, he's been good for the Lions franchise, but that doesn't mean that he's been good on an NFL standard. And, I mean, if you're just going to the playoffs and losing the first round, to me it's not a success. And then if you keep making it there and showing hope and then you fall backwards, that doesn't really make you a good coach. So, I think a lot of it has to do with Jim Bob Cooter, too. I don't think I, whatever they say about him and Stafford's relation, I, I don't care. I, I haven't seen enough from the offense this year and, and different play calls. And, and the way they start the game, it's just so I, – I, I'm so sick of seeing the Lions run the ball on first down when they can't run the football. It, it just makes me mm-hmm. mad when you do a, a handoff out of the shotgun that goes to the left and get you get tackled for four yards in the backfield. That's the kind of stuff that I've seen too much this year. And right now I think that there needs to be some kind of change there. It really blows my mind thinking about the Lions' run game and that – no one's ever. I mean, I, I don't. When's the last time someone ran at a sixty-yard carry on a play? Like, think about it. Like, it's not I mean, that hard it, to it, do. It's, it's always. Really it's not. always. I know, and it. It's always bound to happen. I mean, it's bound to happen sometime. You just break through but, the line of scrimmage, and but the Lions, they just can't. Like, they can't do it. I don't understand why. Because they don't have a good running back, in my opinion. I don't think Amir Abdullah is a good running back. Theoretic's a good pass catching back, but he's not that. He's not a great running back. You think some of it's just really bad luck too? I mean, like a little bit of it. Oh yeah, really the Lions have luck. definitely caught their fair share of bad luck, without question. But they also don't have an offensive line that can yeah. block, and that's another problem that they have too. They, yeah, we don't have we don't have an offensive line or a running back. You're pretty much screwed there. No, and that's really what do you think no. Matt Stafford's going through? I mean, and that's why I give the guy credit. He's the, he's the, one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league. I mean, the way that he was able to play through an injury that he picked up in this game again, where he's limping out his leg, he's doing it the rest of the game. But you can see how bad he really wants to win. He knows how much it means to the the city if they're able to win a game like this and actually be in contention for the division at the end of the year. Because if they do win this game, they're definitely right there. I mean, they got both games mm-hmm. in the Vikings, so it's a completely different scenario than where they're at now, where they're like three games back and it's pretty much over. So, it I mean, it's got to hurt him, but he can't do it all himself. So you're saying no playoffs too then? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I haven't thought that since the beginning of the year, but it did start to seem like you know they had enough wins that they're going to be able to do it when, you know, when Aaron Rodgers went down, I really felt like they had a chance to do it. And now the Vikings have just been the team that's taken more advantage they, of it. This Vikings team, though, it's been impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, Case Keenum. At, at court, he, I, look, come he, on. he looks efficient at times. I know. He, he, look, he looks I know. pretty good. He, he looks, looks good. I think it's because their their offense is so simplified that he's able to just be good. I mean, they're not even running with their starting running back. It's not even Delvin Cook anymore. It's I know. Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. I mean, they're just using whatever they have on that offense. They've made Thielen in one heck of a receiver and a target for you know Keenum, and it's just kind of like you're going to have one of the weirdest quarterback situations in the NFL when you know you got Teddy Bridgewater this offseason and Sam Bradford that are both just looking at what a 9-2 and two record. I don't care. like How do you switch him out of quarterback if he finishes this year like, I don't know, let's say like 13-3 and three or whatever it is that he finishes. How do you just take him out of the starting yeah, job? I, I, you can't. And then, and then you just got Sam Bradford. Yeah. Sitting there, you got Teddy Bridgewater, who's like back to normal, and he was really good before he got hurt. Oh, I know. There, I mean, maybe you can make some trades or something that really makes your team a lot better or whatever. But you really got a lot of decisions to make if you're who, that team. Who would you trade in that? If you had, if you had to trade two of the NFL three, trades are really hard. But no, no, no. I'm just saying, if you had to, if you had to trade two of the three quarterbacks, who who do you think you'd get rid of? It's a I tough mean, question because, I mean, Bridgewater is kind of like your your franchise 
kind of kind of guy, younger dude. I think you keep Bridgewater, you try to trade Bradford, and you yeah. keep Keenum. Keep Keenum because he's worked well in the system, and Bradford has shown yeah. so many injury problems yeah. in his past that it's just like he's probably just gonna get hurt again. He seems like that's glass that gets broken. I, yeah, I'd have I to agree, agree with that. that that's so fair. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, I know that he has a lot of potential, and he's looked good when he's been in there. He looked great last year. He was the like highest completion percentage in the NFL or whatever. He set a record for it. Well, when it comes, when it comes, five percent, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, when it comes down to paying him, it's just not worth it. It's it's not. No, yeah, it's no. not worth it. I, I don't think so either. I think that what you have right now is working for you, so you might as well stick with it. And Keenum seems like a guy that just wants to win games. So, yeah. nevertheless, the Lions are where they are right now. It's pretty much you can say the same old Lions, and we'll see how they finish out the <laughs> season. Um, but nevertheless, we'll move on to a little bit of basketball before we get back into the football stuff. We'll start with Michigan State. Um, I, I think the stretch that they just went through kind of answered a lot of questions that people had. Um, I mean – Still a lot of mistakes, still a lot of things to clean up. They end up winning the PK-80, but against North Carolina, the team that they beat, they only allowed 45 points against them, which is incredible for, you know, one one feat. And then you look at it as they had 24 turnovers in that game, yep. and they were still able to win that game by that many points against a team like North Carolina. Any team coached by Roy Williams usually doesn't get beat by that much. They blew out UConn. They didn't struggle with DePaul. Nevertheless, they just look like a good team. I mean, without Bridges for the first game, he's still kind of battling that injury or whatever. They just—they still look like a really good team. They look like a, a team that you know Duke's going to look back at and say, "Wow, we beat that team." I feel like that might be not the last time you see those guys match up, but all of a sudden they come back and it's like right away you have another humongous game against Notre Dame. I mean, that's the number five team in the country. They were coming off their surprising win and their tournament win over Thanksgiving. Um, I, really, I mean, in the in the Maui Invitational, really, you look at it. You know, what is what is Michigan State looking at in this game? How much does this game mean now? playing another top-ten team if they can beat a team like this. I mean, I know that the win against North Carolina was top-ten, but if you can beat two top-ten teams in a row, I mean, what does that say about this team right now? It, it means everything, just for, for a few reasons. You beat this Notre Dame team, and then you go on this stretch of playing pretty much nobodies until January 4th when, when you go up against Maryland. I mean, they have Nebraska and Rutgers as their, you know, the first two early Big Ten games. But besides that, I mean, that's all they got. So, they, they, mm-hmm. I mean, this is really their, their last this is their last real non-conference game where they can really make some more noise. So I think going into it, you know, that they maybe have that in the back of their minds, knowing that, you know, this, this is kind of the last game that they really got to bring it like crazy and bring it like mad. And, you know, yeah, you beat, you know, you beat North Carolina and Notre Dame and you hang with Duke right there till the end. That says a lot about your team, especially because they're young. And, I mean, I even look back at the PK-80. They didn't even really need Miles Bridges. They didn't even really need him like at all. No, no. And that that, that that blew my mind when I when Nick I saw Ward them looked like a different yeah. a different human. Oh yeah, in that tournament. Yeah, it, it was impressive to watch. Cassius Winston was great. Joshua Langford was great as well. It it kind of I don't know. It blew my mind just to see them not really need Miles Bridges the way that I think I I thought they they would have needed him all season. Definitely a guy that I mean think about it. You add him to that. You add him to to that North Carolina game. Yes, yes, he played, but he was limited. Mm-hmm. And you add him going all out, that it, it makes it a different game. They they win by more. It it's just outstanding the way this team's playing so far. No, I, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And earlier, I was saying, can they uh, overcome like the immaturity from last year? And I think that another big statement win like this can really like open some eyes and uh, give them even more confidence than they already have right now. I think you're exactly right with the, the whole maturity thing because that's where they were at. That, that was my biggest thing when they lost to Duke was, you know, they played great. They came back all game, and they just kind of lost at the end. They didn't look like that in this tournament mm-hmm. at all. They looked like a team that was grown up and ready to play. And, I mean, a lot of times, these, like I said, these tournaments, they can kind of, like before I've said this, they can kind of, like, change 
your mentality coming in because it's not like exactly like a road game. It's just kind of a neutral site, and you, you just kind of go out there and play basketball in front of whoever, and you just kind of can be yourself. And I mean, obviously, you got to clean up 24 turnovers. That's not something you can have against a team like Notre Dame. I feel like, you know, with the way that they're coached and everything, they'll take advantage of that and score more points. You can't do that against every good team that you play. But at the end of the day, when you're still able to get a win like that, it just kind of shows how dominant they really can be this year. And getting a win over a team like Notre Dame is going to be absolutely huge for them and, and go very, very far. I mean, not that they really have to worry about their NCAA tournament resume. They're going to make it even if they had yeah. 10 wins this season. They have time as well as a coach. So <laughs> I, I, you kind of saw that last year because I kind of looked at it and was like, man, they really are. They should be more of a, bu- a bubble team than they are. But, no, they, I, they're not going to struggle with that at all. I think, I think right now they just got to win this game. And then, like you said, they don't really have anybody coming up that's really going to challenge them all that much. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. Say that they go through the, the season and then they go into the Big Ten tournament. Say they lose one of their first one or two games in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, yeah, it doesn't look great on a resume, but then you look back and you see, oh, yeah, they beat they beat North Carolina. Let's say they beat Notre Dame. You know, they beat them. They beat UConn. They hung with Duke. I mean, those, those games are really going to – those are going to matter when it comes down to oh, yeah, the, be the selection committee time. <laughs> As far as, well, as far as getting a higher seat, even if they mm-hmm. do struggle in the Big Ten tournament, if they lose right away or there's a crazy upset or whatever, yeah, I mean that that'll still help you know lock them into one of the top spots, which is always huge to have. If you watch the North Carolina game, I mean they shot just over 24 percent from the field, one of 18 from three, and yeah, it was a it was a rough shooting night for the Tar Heels, but also if you watch the game, Michigan State their defense was outstanding. That's something that Izzo's always preached. Oh yeah, and. Your hands in the face all all the time. You can just see the difference. You can see the I difference. Mean, you can see the difference of what mm-hmm. he's taught him over the summer. Oh yeah, you, it's a big difference. Defense is is unreal, and I think that's going to be a, a problem for teams when when Michigan State comes to play them. No, for sure. I mean, the Big Ten right now. If you ask me, Michigan State's the man amongst boys. I mean, that's just kind of the way that yeah. it is. They're, they're the team that's like clearly on the top. They have so much talent, and so much depth they can use. I mean, guys like even when they struggled the other night against the Paul in that first game, Matt McQuaid just goes off. That's mm-hmm. that's the kind of players they have. Cassius Winston obviously had his game against uh, UConn and everything. So it's like right now they just look at a team that even when their two bigs aren't doing everything that they need to do, they can just look to someone else and someone else is going to get hot in that team because they all kind of just feed off. Of each it all other. it also kind of amazes me too that as good as this team is on offense, they they really are a defense first team. That's how that's how Izzo coaches them. So. I mean, even if your offense isn't isn't doing well, your defense is still going to shut teams down. I mean, they held North Carolina to 45 points for crying out loud. That's 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 darn impressive. Really, for Michigan State, there's only good things to come for this team. This is a really good basketball team, and they're going to make some serious noise this year. Sure, I agree with that. They can only get better from here. Yeah, no, no way they don't. Um, but the, this game at the Breslin against Notre Dame, do you guys see Michigan State getting upset by any chance, or do they uh, do they handle this one? No, I think they take care of business here Here in this one. I think they have a lot of momentum on their side. And coming off a point against North Carolina where you play like that, I think Izzo has his players in the right mindset, not to get too cocky and confident, but to, to take things one game at a time, and that's what they're going to do. And I see him coming with a win. I agree with that. I think they're going to take care of business. I think they'll do fine, I think, uh, but I think it'll definitely be a game that goes down to the wire. I think Mike Bray will have his team ready, and, I mean, obviously, Wichita State was a team that everyone thought was going to beat them, mm-hmm. and then they just showed yeah. up and won. So, I don't know, Notre Dame's been kind of one of those teams that they'll they'll come out one week and get blown out by a team that you felt like they should have beat, and then other weeks they come out and they figure out a way to get upset. So, we'll see where they're at, but uh, right now, we'll, we'll go into Michigan a little bit as well. Um, that win against VCU, if, you know, if they – you kind of look at the Maui Invitational – and if they didn't find a way to get that win that they did, 
against VCU. Um, this this team would be in a lot more trouble, I think, than you know where they're at right now. Sure, mm-hmm. it was a it was a seven game stretch, and I think what was it, fifteen days or something like that. It was a, it was a lot of games and a lot in a short span. But that loss to LSU really hurt. I mean, there's absolutely no way you can look at it in a different way now. I think that it could come back to be something good for them in the future. You know, it's, it's kind of a team that's still learning who they really are and everything. I think they started to do that as the tournament went forward. But, you know, Michigan comes back late in that second half. They kind of look like they're going to win the game, take control of it. Duncan Robinson hits a big shot when he didn't hit any all night. It looked like, you know, okay, Michigan's going to start rolling. Kind of hold the lead to the final minute, and then they just let the game go. They have a couple turnovers. They had no turnovers the entire first half or the second half, and then they give up two at the end of the game and end up losing it in a couple of bad plays. They have to go play uh, Chaminade, <laughs> and that's not even a team that counts their win or loss record. So right away, no matter what, that hurts your RPI. It, it's not good. It's not. It's 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 something that they really were trying to avoid, and they didn't. So you know the fear of playing them, they ended up having to play them. Of course, they went and blew them out. They you know scored a hundred points and didn't have any trouble. Of course, you know they they went out and beat Cal in their mm-hmm. next game. So I think uh, that that was pretty impressive. But nevertheless, they go play this game against VCU, and they get a win at the end. This time, when the game gets close and Michigan kind of controls the lead the whole second half, they end up blowing it again, letting VCU right back in it, but then at the end of the game you see Michigan, you see a guy like Mo Wagner come out and do what you envisioned him doing since the start of the year, putting that game away and getting the win. And then obviously Sunday um, they, they beat UC Riverside, didn't really struggle with that. Beeline said that they kind of scheduled that game you know, just because they had to. They had It was the fear of playing a team like Chaminade. They end up you know winning that game, so Right now, you got this game against North Carolina, and after seeing how Michigan State did against them, it almost kind of leaves you to a measuring stick of where Michigan will be compared to the top team in the Big Ten. So I, I can't really stress enough how big this game will be for Michigan and how they respond to come out. And, and a lot of people were just saying, you know, they think they're going to get blown out to Chapel Hill, whatever. I don't I don't really think that after seeing how, how uh, North Carolina played against Michigan State. I think that, you know, Michigan will have a chance to hang around in this game now. I don't think they're going to win it. But I think if you see them play the end of this game and give this team a fight, I think it means a lot for where Michigan goes from here, especially the five-game stretch they have coming up of North Carolina, Indiana, and Ohio State. Now, both those games sound like, you know, big games, but really both those teams are not in a very good place right now. So Michigan should be able to get wins of both those games. Of course, they always struggle when they play at Ohio State, but we'll see how they do. And then you come back and you have UCLA and Texas. So Beeline called it. I was there the other night to cover the UC Riverside game, and he said after the game that this is probably the – Toughest five game stretch that Michigan's ever seen, and or that he's ever seen that maybe Michigan's ever seen. So, oh no, I would agree. I, I think so too. When you look at these five games in a row, so yeah. how important is this stretch for Michigan basketball? Not even just for right now in the non conference for the way for where they go the rest of the year. Oh, it's very important. I think that we're gonna learn a lot about Michigan uh, tomorrow night against UNC, and uh, like you said, uh, seeing what they seeing how UNC played against Michigan State. I think that Michigan does have a chance to stick around. I don't think they're going to get blown out or anything by any means. But um, if they win, I mean, I don't know if they'll win or not, but um, it'll be a close one, I think. And against Indiana and Ohio State, like you said, they're going to be in uh, – I mean, they're not in a very good spot mm-hmm. right now. But, I mean, it's all, I mean, they're still Ohio State's arrival, so it's going to be – I think it's going to be a close game no matter what. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's is a – no matter what, like these are big, big name teams, and it's going to be hard. I agree with that all the way through, Evan. Yeah, you know, I think uh, for Michigan, Charles Matthews, he's been a little inconsistent for me. He, he looked, he looks really good at times, mm-hmm. and then other times he he just struggles to shoot the basketball with, with success. Um, and I think he's going to be big for them in this stretch. If he can get hot for for five games here, Michigan's got a really good chance to to win three, four of the five. 
I think if they win, you know, just looking at three of the five games, North Carolina, UCLA, and Texas, if they even win two of those games, I mean, you're you're almost looking at unless they blow it blow it blow it in the Big Ten, they're kind of looking already at you know like an NCAA tournament. Yeah, type a bit. pretty good spot for and, sure. Unless they weren't able to get the job done, so that's how key these games are and why they need yeah. to win them so bad. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think Charles Matthews. I agree 100. percent You know, he he had 12 assists the other night, and he and he kind of joked and said, "I've never had that many assists in my mm-hmm. life." You know, he. He didn't. He's still trying to learn um, the system just yeah. as well as everybody else. I mean, that's that's right now where you. I mean, Eli Brooks is already getting so much time at point guard for Michigan mm-hmm. because Xavier Simpson's a guy who didn't have experience and he kind of feared that coming into the year and he hasn't looked like a guy that can answer the bell. The only game, good game he's really had to start the year was against Central Michigan earlier in the year, and then you know Jaron Simmons, who everyone thought was going to come in and be able to be the guy with all of his experience, looks completely lost out there, and I think a lot of that has to do with him transferring as well. Well, yeah, I think transferring because now he's not the guy with the ball in his hands mm-hmm. all the time, scoring all the points. You know, he doesn't really know how to work off ball. He doesn't know how to work off ball yet. And I think he's still working on that. Now, I do think he's going to be a pretty vital piece down the stretch. When you have three point guards that can come in and play quality minutes, it's going to be big for you down the stretch. And I think as, as far as him getting to understand uh, the way that John Beeline runs things, he'll be able to be all right when it comes down to, to Big Ten play. But how about John Teske, though? He's played I mean, well. He's played really well. He's played very he's really well. He's been a huge help on defense for Michigan oh, yeah. so far. His his reach and ability to be able to get out has been great so far for them, no doubt about it. Um, and the way that Eli Brooks ran the floor the other night looked great. I mean, because in the LSU game to open the Maui Invitational, he obviously made one of those turnovers at the end of the game that was a huge mistake, mm-hmm. throwing the ball away. That's the kind of stuff that you just kind of learn from and you move on from. And I think that's a lot of what Michigan will do here. And I think it's really going to say a lot about how they come out here against North Carolina um, on Wednesday night. It's a, it's a huge game for them. What do they have to do to win this game? Well, I think one thing they have to do is they have to outshoot North Carolina. I think it's going to be whoever makes the most uh, three pointers. Michigan's a, a live or die by the three. North Carolina, you know, you, you saw them go one for eighteen against Michigan State from beyond the arc, and mm-hmm. you, you saw what happened. So I think it really comes down to whichever team shoots the ball better is going to end up winning this game. Also, defense is going to be huge here. Michigan's got to be on top of their game. I think we could see, uh, you know, a lot of John Teske in this one. And, you know, maybe John Teske or Eli Brooks might have just one of those breakout games where they kind of finally come into their own in a big game on the big stage. It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, it's a lot of guys right now on their team still kind of look like they're, you know, trying to get their feet wet mm-hmm. and trying to get that. At some point, you got to break through and you got to make plays. So we'll see what they're able to do. Uh, Elena, what do you think they have to do? Uh, definitely got to limit the turnovers, make big stops on defense. And, I mean, just like, I mean, in any game, whoever shoots better and controls the ball. So, yes. I, I mean, it, it's it's hard to really tell how how good Michigan is right now because of all the, like, the new pieces and stuff. But I think that, I mean, if they if they don't get it, if they don't get it figured out, then uh, UNC's veteran play can kind of take over. But Yeah, I don't think that they do completely know who they are right now either. I think they figured out a little bit more of what they are as a team when they were in Maui and the way they were able to finish the tournament compared to where they were at when they started it. But this five-game stretch is going to say a lot about, I think, you know, what what Michigan's able to do this season and kind of what their potential is. Because at some point, you got to look at these leaders like Duncan Robinson, who against LSU couldn't get open, couldn't Mm -hmm. take a shot. He's got to do more than that. I mean, he he did against um, VCU down the stretch. He was was a lot better, and he's, he's been a guy that's made big shots from the past. But guys like him, Mo Wagner, and Charles Matthews, those are guys you got to look to that are going to, you know, say they lose against North Carolina, right away you got to be ready to come back against Indiana and get that win. That's a game that you cannot drop with how bad Indiana is going to start the year. And that's the kind of, you know, game that they easily could lose. So yeah. 
you know, they it, it's it's going to say a lot about their leadership and where they're able to lead them to be because Michigan absolutely has to be, in my opinion, one of these three teams in Texas, UCLA, or North Carolina. And North Carolina, they're, they're going to be gunning for a win. They're, I mean, they're pretty ticked off after the loss to Michigan State, I, I can only bet. So they're going to be coming for Michigan. They're going to be giving them everything that, that they can. They're not taking it lightly at all. It'll be a good game. It'll be really fun to watch. Yeah, Beeline said you know that their their team is really aggressive and they're they're gonna push the floor and they're gonna give them everything that they have the entire game. And you say you know Roy's a good friend, but I really hope that we can just hold close to the end and maybe we can get away with getting a win. So even you know I, I really I really appreciate John Beeline's honesty half the time. He he really doesn't like try to put anything fake out there about his team. Mm-hmm. He's honest about where they're at and he knows where they're at compared to other teams in the country. And you know he right now he knows that if they can hang around maybe they can get a win, but he knows it's not gonna be a blowout. Yeah, he know so. he knows hanging around is gonna be. You know something that they're they're looking for. Even if they lose, I think they still take that as a positive. Even if they just hang around, it's going to say a lot because he himself and all the players on Michigan's team have never played at Chapel Hill. They've never never played in an environment it's quite a like that. Atmosphere. So we'll see what they're able to do. It's it's going to be wild, but that that's definitely um, a situation for Michigan. That's a big game, and we'll see what they're able to prove. Um, but going on to college football real quick. Oh man, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Again, uh, Jim Harbaugh couldn't get the big win against a, a team, and, I mean, you just keep hearing it over and over again. But I have a tough time blaming this game on Jim Harbaugh. Um, I, I think I think anybody kind of has a tough time blaming it on Jim Harbaugh right now. It's it, I think no matter what, you look at this game, I think I think he's still in a very good position to only get better. But they start with this 14, you know, they start this this big lead, and it looks like, you know, Michigan's going to be – good and maybe like oh my gosh like we could actually win this game like you know that's they're thinking to themselves and Ohio State strikes back and get those 14 points right away and you're like okay reality setting in like Ohio State's not going to go away or anything like that and as the game progresses Michigan's offense just falters and it's not able to really do anything they do get another touchdown in the second half the extra point gets blocked and you're just like oh god all, all these things that could go wrong and that you know end up making you lose a game are kind of happening here in the second half, and obviously the the whole highlight of the afternoon is Michigan gets the ball back with a chance to possibly you know tie the game or win it. And John O'Corn throws an interception to, I guess nobody. I, I don't really know where that pass was going, and you know I it at the end of the day you look back at it and you just kind of laugh. But it's Michigan's third string quarterback at the end of the day. It's playing this game right now, and they, I mean yeah sure Ohio State ended up beating him by eleven, but really they're only beating him by four. I mean when the game was actually still serious and Michigan was actually still in it. So, I don't know. Can can you take away more positives out of this game than negatives? I mean, or is it still like Jim Harbaugh is one in five? You know, what what's going on? Well, the positive is you're gonna have Peters next year starting. At least that's that's how it looks. Um, yeah, yeah. Know, Wilton start Spate the season. Gone. Wilton Spate's gone. O'Corn, nope. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, he's gone too. I, I mean, th- that's a positive, I guess. Is that you're kind of gonna start off with a quarterback that. You know, barring an injury, you hope to keep all season. I mean, there's only positives to look forward to. I don't think like there's many positives to take out of out of this loss to Ohio State. I really don't. Um, it says a lot when you look at it and you think about the fact that Alex Malzone was the backup quarterback. That says a lot, just because in reality he's really like the fifth string quarterback on yeah. on Michigan's team. So it, it it was a rough loss, but it was one of those losses where yeah they got off to a hot start, but. You almost knew, like in the back of your head, that it wasn't going to end up happening. Oh yeah, you, you, you I would have had to see it to yeah. believe that. Like, yeah. Uh, um, defense, it, defense was really good to start, but when the defense keeps getting forced to be put back out on the field over and over and over again, there towards the end, that's when you start to struggle. Mm-hmm. Backup quarterback for Ohio State played really well after 
JT Barrett went down. That was impressive. But I don't know. I guess every quarterback isn't Jake Rudock. You can't you can't take a quarterback and and develop them all. You know, the same way you can't win them all, you can't develop them all. At some point, you have to I mean, yeah, you have to give that up. You can't you can't develop O'Corn anymore. Obviously, you can't develop Spate anymore. You know, they are what they are. You can only do so much. I mean, Jake Rudock was a really good quarterback before coming to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And and O'Corn really wasn't. He had one good year, and it was his freshman year. And it was for Houston, not it was Iowa. for Houston. So yeah. I mean that that's where the difference lies. There was a difference playing for Iowa and Houston, a, a big difference as far as it, even just just the atmosphere and the teams that you play. So yeah, there's a difference. Every quarterback's not Jake Rudock, and Michigan fans are gonna have to look to the bowl game and then on to, to next season. I think you can get a lot of that bowl game. But Elena, what do you what do you uh, take away? I mean, taking away from the from this game, yeah, it was a rough loss and stuff. But I mean, O'Corn. You knew you knew once he was in there, like you kind of were like, oh, well, there there goes that game. But I mean, I swear, when they started off fourteen to nothing, I swear I went to the kitchen and I came back and they were it was tied fourteen to fourteen. I was like, how is it that fast? But I mean, once it when it, once the game was tied, you're kind of like, well, like you kind of give up hope. But next year, I think I mean, I think you have a bright future with uh, Peters and uh, like you said, now the. Uh, Spate's gone, and obviously O'Corn is not an option. So, I, I think you can. It's a, things can only look up from here. For sure, and I, I, I think, you know, you kind of talked about the defense and they kept getting put back out in the field, you know, and everybody, and obviously there's really no one more to blame down than John O'Corn. It was John O'Corn's fault that mm-hmm. lost this game pretty much almost 100 percent of the way. But really, Ohio State did have a backup quarterback coming to this game, and Michigan's defense just kind of let them do what they wanted to him, whether you're tired or not. That's kind of ridiculous, I think, when you're one of the best defenses in the country, the way they were able to just let him kind of control the end of the game and run it out. I mean, Michigan did have a lead in the second half. They did score 20 points in this game. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're one of the top defenses in the country, you kind of have to you know, make more plays. And you can also point to the first half when Josh Metellus had a chance to intercept the ball near the goal line, and he dropped mm-hmm. it. That's a play that, that takes away seven points from Ohio State right there. Michigan might have never given up the lead in this game if he would have got that interception. So... That's another play that early in the game, it also kind of falls on him. So, you know, John O'Corn obviously took all the blame on himself, but there are other things you can point to in this game, just like any football game that, you know, kind of lost Michigan the game or, or helped to the loss. But, yeah, at the end of the day, John O'Corn had a lot of opportunities to make, you know, plays, and he just didn't. And at the end of the game, you know, if you want to be remembered as something in this rivalry, and if you're actually a Michigan football player or an Ohio State football player, you have that chance to come back and you don't make the plays, that's just how you're going to be remembered. <laughs> so, So Jim Harbaugh. In his first three seasons at Michigan, zero and three against Ohio State, one and two against Michigan State. I think we've zero and four again. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, let, let me let me keep going. Zero and four against Ohio State and Michigan State at home. Zero and six as an underdog, and one and seven against top ten teams. Do you think there's any reason to to believe he's on the hot seat at all, even a bit? I mean, he, he, I don't think he is yet because I don't think Michigan's gonna get rid of him. Okay, I, me either. I, I don't think that there's any reason that you would get rid of Jim Harbaugh because what are you going to get that's any better? I know it sounds mm-hmm. crazy when you're reading that off to me. But it's true, though. No, no. And it's I, true. Sure, stats are stats, and he is definitely at where he's at right now. But as far as this season goes, I mean, I just – I hate to, like, be this guy, like, saying give pity to Michigan or whatever for the past few years, but damn block kick at the end of the game. That's still a loss that I look at that is, like, he was right there to win it. That's just a really, really, really bad, bad spin of the ball. And against Ohio State, there's arguably a call a year ago when the game really mattered, and it probably probably should have been called short. So, I mean, you look at it, and, and those, you know, he's a play away right there. Mm-hmm. And this year, against teams like that, I mean, there's a, a monsoon that kind of takes him out of the Michigan State game. 
and against Michigan and against Ohio State in a game that really didn't matter. He came out there and I think he gave the absolute best effort he could of this team against Ohio State. So I, earlier in the season, you know, I kind of had a hard time understanding it. But when you look at where Michigan's football team is at with the injuries that it's had right now, I think it's very hard to just place all the blame on him and just say that it, you know, it's that bad. Not, not, yeah, you, know, you can't blame Harbaugh. You I, can't. No, and, and Ohio State did have a lot of young players and everything. And, yeah, they can come in and have their backup quarterback do what they seem to do every single year, and I get it. And, you know, Urban Meyer is definitely a better coach, in my opinion, right now. It's There's no question about it. But at the end of the day, John O'Corn's just it's a thir- third-string quarterback. Brandon Peters, I think if Brandon Peters in this game, Michigan wins it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm not just sure. saying that because, you know, I, I'm favoring them. I'm saying it because... I think it's the honest truth. I think he makes some of those wide-open passes, not just open, wide-open passes that John O'Corn couldn't complete. There were so many. Oh, my gosh. so many. So many passes. He just mm-hmm. – how do you even miss them, dude? I mean, I, you can put you out in the field. I mean, you're pretty bad at football, <laughs> Evan. So, <laughs> hey. never actually seen the kid play, but I'm just making an assumption here. Um, I mean, if there's a guy in front of me, I can hit him with a pass. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what so, I can do. At the end of the day, it's just like, how are you supposed to blame him? You can't put Alex Melzone into a game like this. No I mean, way. you have to roll a John O'Corn. You, you couldn't go with anybody else. And he did the absolute best that offense that I think he could in this game. He said some really bad luck in the other ones. Now, this next year, I will say this right now. If he does not, if, if they have more than two losses by the end of the next season, yeah, he should 100% be in the hot seat because he has everybody else. He has almost everybody coming back. It's all of his talent. He's got his quarterback there now. If Michigan has a quarterback and they have – a left tackle or right to I don't know what, what I'm thinking of right now that I'm messing up. You know, they're they're really struggling at that's allowing their quarterback to get hit so much and oh, they're okay. not, not blocking very well. If they have those two players, I think that Michigan is a top-five team in the country because of where their defense is at. And even with the young talent around it, if they just have a quarterback that can simply complete more passes, Michigan is such a better team. It, it's, it's, not even, it's not even close to being where they're at right now. So... Yeah, no, I, I think that Jim Harbaugh is definitely, you know, people have every right to gripe about it, but at the end of the day, I think you got to wait till next season and see where he's at. I know it's frustrating to hear because year three you expected a lot more, but at the end of the day, it was just kind of the way the missions class worked out with 11 players or 10 players getting drafted in the NFL draft, and you're left with what you have this year, and you have two key injuries early in the season on Wilton Spay and Tariq Black that kind of really screwed the offense from the beginning. It'll be really fun to see the quarterback battle in the, in the offseason between – McCaffrey and Peters obviously clear mm-hmm. Peters is in my opinion the the front runner there um just because he has the experience and, and all that but even bringing in Joe Milton from from Florida he's going to be an early enrollee coming in and, and just even let him get used to the offense and, and get in there and and get some reps early that that's going to be big for him I think it, I, I really think this is going to be great for Harbaugh to have re- really his own quarterbacks for for the first time this is the first time he has you know all of his own quarterbacks that he recruited and that he brought in Joe Milton stands at six five. People say that he's kind of kind of like a Mike Vick kind of guy that can run around, but he but he can also throw the ball. So I think the future is bright for Michigan quarterbacks. And really, when you look at a team, if you want to be a good team, you got to have a good quarterback. You got to have, have have at least a pretty good quarterback. Um, in in my opinion, I think the run game, I think running backs, wide receivers, all that kind of stuff, it, it only says so much. I mean, you you throw any other quarterback out there than John O'Corden, I think they have a pretty good chance to to win the game. So. It'll be interesting to see how they do next year. They open up with Notre Dame to start, and then mm-hmm. Western Michigan. So those, are, those are already two two yeah. big games. Western Michigan, obviously, um, a MAC opponent, not as big of an opponent, but still, it's an in-state in-state yeah. game, which is a big deal. And then you have Wisconsin, Michigan State in there, Penn State, Indiana is always a pretty good team, and then Ohio State. So lots of good games next year. Definitely uh, opportunities to build resumes, though. That is an opportunity next year to build a resume, and if they can come out playing well, who knows. I'd agree with all that. 
Elena, I agree how with much that. You, mean? I mean, uh, you can't uh, just expect success like right away. And I mean, imagine not having Harbaugh. Like, where would we be? Like, where would we be right now without him? Yeah, think so. of like Hoke or Rich Rod was. I can't even people say that. People just don't, don't, don't understand it. Yeah. It's just where Michigan's at. They're they're the university they are, and people expect a lot out of them in ridiculous, you know, short amount of time. So that that's where Michigan's at right now. But we'll see how they do in the bowl game. I think that they could definitely um, take away a lot from that game with you know Brandon Peters probably being able to come back and play in it. No matter what, whoever they play against, it's still kind of a big, big deal. So if he's able to get, a, if Michigan's able to get a win and kind of. Walk out at nine and four. I, I think that's. I think it's a pretty good season. So we'll see what they're able to do. If they lose it, then I'll, oh god, I don't know. <laughs> the season's kind of an afterthought right now, but I still think a win goes a lot more than a loss. So, um, sorry, Michigan State fans. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it. I, I, they beat Rutgers forty to seven. I don't know what else you want me to say. Um, we'll see what bowl game they end up to, and we'll kind of get to them more. But we're actually starting to kind of push out of time. Something that matters a little bit more with college football right now. Um, is the college football rankings, and actually they just came out. I just got the update on my phone. The official new college football playoff rankings is Clemson at number one, followed by Auburn, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin. So that's your top two, and then Alabama and Georgia are the two that are right behind them. So, you know, kind of kind of what I expected coming in. I really didn't think it was going to be any different after, obviously, Alabama um, lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl this weekend. That was, that was a great game, and I can't believe Auburn just kind of shut them down the way they did. I've never seen – an Alabama team under Nick Saban fall apart the way that they did um, at the end of that game with those couple of fumbles over the head and everything else um, of their quarterback. So they, they really struggled towards the end of the game. Wisconsin's undefeated. I think it's pretty hard to argue with. And, you know, Clemson, very hard to argue with in the top spot right now. Um, do you guys agree with these rankings, I mean, so far? Yeah, I agree with where they're at right now. Um, as far as after championship games are played and all that, um, I kind of played it out and predicted it, it out. And I got... <laughs> As far as after the championship game, so let's look to next week. Okay. I got Clemson 1, Oklahoma 2, Auburn 3, and Ohio State coming in at 4. Ohio State. Ohio State. <laughs> Not uh, even in the top six right now. No, you know, we're going to go Ohio. We're going to Ohio State. I think, I mean, I, I think when you look at it on the field, if you want to compare Ohio State and Alabama and, and which team should get in, I, I think that, I think Alabama is the better team on the field. But I think <laughs> yes. if you look at Ohio State and you know, some of the teams that, that they beat this year, they might look at that and say, okay, you know, yeah, they did beat some pretty good teams. Yes, they lost to Iowa pretty bad, but they did beat some teams. Meanwhile, I mean, when you look at Alabama, they beat LSU, and that that's kind of it. I mean, they beat LSU, but no, who, granted, who else did they really beat? If they beat Wisconsin, who's currently number four in their playoff bowl, and they, they I don't are. see why they couldn't have a chance to get in. It'll be close. They did it'll lose to re- Oklahoma. It, it'll, be, it'll, right it'll be really close between Ohio State and Alabama, if Ohio State can, can beat Wisconsin, I, I think it's going to be close. Elena? I have Clemson at number one, Oklahoma at number two, Auburn at number three, and Alabama at number four. Because I don't have Wisconsin in there because I don't really – I mean, yeah, they're undefeated, but they haven't really played played big teams. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just don't – I don't think that they're better than Alabama. So. Yeah, do I, I agree. I think Alabama should still be number four in that poll. Right now, I think Wisconsin should have to beat Ohio State to prove if they're actually a good enough team to play in that kind of poll. And you know, that's it. It's kind of arguable. I mean, really, just Wisconsin hasn't played anybody all season. Right now, Ohio State's not even the team that you know they have in the, in the top six that's competing for it. So, it's. I mean, if you're 13, though, you're in. You you, you got to mm-hmm. go. There's there's no way you can take them out. So they will be in if they do beat Ohio State. There's absolutely no question about it. I mean, that's already where the the committee's putting it at right now. It's understandable. It's just so hard for me to say, you know, Alabama loses a game to a team that's in the playoff now. It's just, it, I don't know. It's just really hard for me to say that they, they don't deserve a spot to still be in that top four. But 
that's where to me, I think the college football playoff should be eight teams, period. I think they need to work on doing something like that. I don't know how you guys feel I about agree it. With that. Mm-hmm. I think it's so hard to pick these top four teams to end the season because this just seems to happen every year where at the end of the year these teams, you know, get upset because everybody's playing for their lives and when you get a home game in front of your crowd, you just you're, you're killing for an upset. But And how can how can you even know? You can't, there's no possible way you can know who's better between Alabama can like, easily still be the best team in the country yeah. right now. They slipped up no at, doubt. At a and game I think in the that road. they are. Yeah, exactly. So it's like man, how do you keep them out of the playoff and competing for the national It's just like if Wisconsin makes it or Ohio State makes it, I don't think they have a chance against a team like Alabama. Not a chance. Ohio State got blown out by Iowa. Yeah. You're telling me that Iowa is a team that could compete against Alabama? I mean, it's just I don't look at it in ways like that that would work and it's I mean, uh I just think that Alabama deserves a spot in that. Yeah. In that I mean, four. as long as Clemson takes care takes care of business in the ACC championship game, I mean they're going to have that that number one spot. Yeah, it's winning your end for a lot of these. And teams. I mean, but I really think though, I mean, if if it is Wisconsin coming in at number four playing against Clemson, I think they're going to get blown out. Yep. It's, it's not even going to be a game, and and that that's what makes me upset because you're you're putting a team in because they're undefeated and they played nobody mm-hmm. and they're really not good enough to be a playoff team. So why not go to eight? Right. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So then 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 if they we're good enough to be a playoff team, and they and they end up showing it, you know, through eight. Maybe they can show it through eight teams. They should still be in then and mm-hmm. still prove themselves. But it's so yeah. hard to keep a team like Alabama out from where they're at right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, because Clemson, Ohio State, or Clemson, Alabama, I think it is going to be a, a much better game than you know, Clemson, Wisconsin. I, I just yep. don't see that being as much of a game. No, I agree. I mean, it, they did lose the game. Auburn definitely deserves a spot now. I think there's no question that Oklahoma deserves to be in there either. So. It's tough. I mean, Georgia and Miami, they both got a chance to play those one of those two teams, and, I mean, it's its like when and you're, you're right back in there. So even Miami's not done yet, sitting back out there on the outside looking in, really outside looking in at number seven. I mean, the way that I kind of look at it, sort of, I don't know if you guys agree. You guys you guys might not agree, but SEC championship game, I mean, I look at that as almost a, a play-in, Georgia-Auburn. I mean, that, that's almost like a, like a play-in game. ACC championship game is almost a play-in with Clemson in Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, if – that's kind of how I how I look at it right now, and then I think, you know, as long as Oklahoma wins the the Big Twelve championship game against TCU, they'll be in. It, it'll be interesting to see how things all play out because the championship games can can definitely shake things up a little bit. For sure, I think I think no question it could be that way. Um, what's the biggest change I guess that you guys think you'll see from this weekend? Like who's the? I mean, obviously you said Ohio State. Elena, do you have a team that really you think is going to jump up and take a spot besides Alabama? Do you think uh, Georgia I... or Miami can get a win over either one of those two teams? I don't see it. Maybe Miami, but I, I still don't see it. I don't either. I think I think it's pretty much going to stay the way it is right now, and I think really the one game that is going to change things is going to be uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one game right now. It's always that number four spot. It seems to be every year. It's kind of right in the edge. So I, I guess we'll see how it plays out. We'll try to keep up on it, but right now you have our thoughts on it, and we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. It was a wild Saturday last weekend. It really must have made it hard on those guys um, to make decisions in that committee. So we'll see, we'll see what they're able to do, but – um, we're going to wrap up the show now with our stud and dud. So, Evan, I'll start with you with your stud. Yeah, so my stud is the Detroit Pistons, and this team's 13-6 and six on the season. And they are 100% for real. They've beaten the Clippers, the Warriors, the Thunder, and the Celtics all on the road. Last night, they beat the Celtics 118-108. to 108, And Andre Drummond, 26 points, 22 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals. Tobias Harris, 31 points on 11 of 16 from the field, 8 rebounds as well. Reggie Jackson, 20 points. Avery Bradley came back to Mass Square Garden, scored 13. Nothing much you can really ask for uh, more than this out of this Pistons team. They beat a really good Celtics team, and I believe this team is 100% for real. Sure. 
Elena? All right, my stud is Kenny Pickett, uh, the quarterback for Pittsburgh Panthers. Um, he's a true freshman, and he it was his first start against Miami, and he came out with a win, so I think that's pretty huge. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with my stud as Auburn. I mean, just period, winning that game. I think that that's huge. Um, it says a lot about that team in an Iron Bowl game that, you know, was – obviously I really didn't think they were going to win it. I thought that Alabama, you know, continues their dominance, just keeps winning, and they really show that anything can happen in that game. And that game's one heck of a rivalry game. I think it's one that mm-hmm. really, you know, goes up against the – the game with you know with Michigan and Ohio State, I think it's definitely one's right there, um, and it's it's something that uh, it's it's definitely an argument, I guess, if you're from the SEC to say that game's just as good, um, but definitely definitely a big game from Auburn and really a huge game for their football program. So I'll go the other way, Elena, your dud. Uh, my dud, uh, Notre Dame's football team. I mean, this is the I mean second time they got blown out in three weeks, and the win they did have against Navy was only by seven. So I mean, they're just. They're not impressive. Yeah, Brian Kelly kind of really tanked the season that he looked like he had going on the up for him at the end of the year. So, Evan? Yeah, so for me, I got the UConn football loss against Cincinnati. They lost 22-21. Pretty much what happens was they went on a long drive down the field. They had a fourth and 10 from the Cincinnati 15. UConn, their, their pass was incomplete. Pass interference gave them an untimed down. And then an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after that, they moved the ball back. And instead of going for two after they instead of going instead of going for two after they scored, they ended up having to kick, and they had to kick from you know obviously you know farther back. Kick was no good. Cincinnati won. It was just like a mess, and there was a bunch of penalties everywhere. And it was one of those <laughs> games where you're kind of just like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. It was it was one of those awkward losses. For sure, uh, my dub this week is gonna be Jalen Hurts, as I kind of alluded to earlier. You're you're a quarterback that came back to win a national championship this season, and he's really the guy that blew it on the stretch. They had a chance to score. Early in the game, or to get a first down to keep moving uh, towards the Auburn end zone, and he ended up taking a false start. All you got to do is look at the clock and be able to snap the ball or call a timeout or whatever to stop it. Couldn't do that. And then the back-to-back fumbles that went over his head, that's absolutely unacceptable against a team like this. And and both of them were just they were, they were atrocious. I mean, he couldn't even pick, he tried to pick the ball back up in one of them, and he kind of fell over. Had to end up falling on it, and it really just set him up for like a third and long that was almost impossible to complete. So... That's my dud this week, Um, and that'll do it for us. Um, Keep following us on CM Life and CM Life Sports just for all the updates, and we'll definitely keep these podcasts out there for you guys. We'll talk at you next time.